God, we thank you for this passage of scripture, and we thank you for the story of Abram, a man who's described in the scriptures as being your friend. We pray that we would learn from his experience and his example, and that our faith would be deepened as we reflect upon your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. One of my children's uh, favorite movies, and and if I was completely honest, I'd say one of mine as well, was the Lego movie. And I'm not going to ask who here has seen the Lego movie. I I hope that some of you have seen the Lego movie. But anyways, there's one scene in there where one of the characters, who's voiced by Morgan Freeman, uh, says to the main character, believe. And then he says, I know it sounds like a cat poster, but it's true. Now, I, I think that that's, that line stuck with me because, uh, yeah, you can see that picture of a, a little kitten, you know, with the paws up like that and believe. And I, I don't know what the cat has to do with believe, but that's what the poster says. And yet it, it's easy for us to just throw out that term believe. We'll just tell people, just believe. But what does that mean? And as Christians, uh, we use terms like belief and faith, but how are we using that? What do we actually mean when we talk in that way? I believe that Albany is the capital of New York State. Now, I've never been to Albany, but I believe that. I've never seen an official document that states that it is the official uh, capital of that state, but I believe it. But is that belief the same kind of belief that I have when I say that I believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? Are those things the same? We need to understand what it means to believe, what it means to have faith. And when we think about these things, we we might automatically go to the New Testament and, and someone like the Apostle Paul. And yet the Apostle Paul, in two of his letters to the Galatians and to the Romans, when he wanted to illustrate what real faith was like, he turned to the example of Abraham and this particular passage that was read for us. And not only Paul, but James, who was the half-brother of Jesus, when he wanted to describe what real faith looked like, living faith, not dead faith, but real living faith, he went to this exact same passage as well. So there's something in this that illustrates for us what faith is supposed to look like. And so that's what we're going to take a look at this morning. Just give you a little bit of background on Abram. He's also known as Abraham. He's the same person, and probably in this message I will go back and forth between Abram and Abraham. At one point his name is changed. He originally came from the city of Ur, which would be in present-day Iraq. And his father had been commanded by God to leave Ur and to go to the promised land of Canaan, which we know today as Israel. And so his father packed up the family and they began that journey. However, about halfway through the journey, uh, his father kind of got distracted, kind of got comfortable, and decided just to settle down without having completed the journey. And so God spoke to Abram and said, you must take... Uh, your wife and your household, and you must complete the journey and go to the promised land. 
So it's in this uh, kind of setting that this is taking place. Uh, one of the things that we need to know is, is Abram uh, did not have a, a child. Uh, in fact, he, he was uh, old and his wife was old and she was also barren. And so they had no children. Now, many people today get along just fine without having any children and they can live a very uh, fulfilling life. But in this particular culture, it was so important to have an heir. You needed to have someone that you could pass on all that you have. And, and Abram was a, a fairly wealthy person. And at this point, the only heir that he had was one of his servants. And that wasn't ideal. He wanted to have a child. He wanted a child more than he wanted anything else. And it's in that that God comes to him and promises, promises him that he will have a child that Sarah, of course, will have the child. And that uh, this he would have an heir that would be of his own blood. And this was an amazing thing for him to hear, to be to receive this promise. And this promise would be developed uh, in, the, in the chapters that come, that we find out that not only would there be a son that would be born, but this son would be the father of a great nation, and that God would use him for his glory. Now, we see in this passage that Abram believes it. So even though he's so old, even though his wife is barren, God says, you're going to have a child. And Abram basically says, okay, that sounds good to me. I, I believe you. How can he do that? How could he just suddenly accept it like that? That just seems so amazing. And yet what we find when we look at Genesis, that we have three chapters before this, of an ongoing relationship between Abram and God. We see continual faithfulness of God, that God is intervening in Abram's life in a number of different ways, building up Abram's faith so that he gets to the point where the big promise comes that he's able to accept it and to believe it. And we're told that he's reckoned as righteous because of that faith. Well, that is great. That is wonderful that that this takes place. It's a beautiful story. And so what we see that faith is, is God says something and we say, okay, we can accept that. And yet faith is actually more than that. And we find that when we continue on in the story and we go a few chapters on, we find that uh, the child uh, is, well, even before we get to that child, we find that, that uh, Abram struggled with waiting for God to fulfill the promise. And he ends up fathering uh, another child uh, through one of Sarah's uh, servants. And that wasn't the right way to go. But, you know, that is helpful for us to know because it tells us that Abram, as a hero of the faith, is someone who struggled with God's timing. In those times when we're praying and we wish that God would just come through and we we don't know what's going on, we see that Abram himself struggled in the exact same way. But eventually, the, the child of promise is born, Isaac is born, and everything is great. Everyone is happy. Uh, I, uh, Abraham is happy, uh, Sarah's happy, Isaac's happy, everybody's happy. Uh, until God speaks to Abram, Abraham again and says, Now I want you to go up to this hill and to sacrifice your son. Like, can you imagine that? Like, I don't like this story because I can't help but put myself in Abraham's position and just feel the terror 
that must have gone through his heart to hear those words coming from God. The same God who promised him that he would have a son is now commanding him to go up and to sacrifice his son. Uh, it just seems horrible. I have to think, you know, how would I respond if that same command came to me? For many of us, when we look at that story of the sacrifice of Isaac, the way we interpret it is that this is God testing to see how much Abraham really loves God. Does Abraham love God more than he loves his own son? Will he, is he willing to kill his own son to demonstrate his obedience to God? That's the way we read that. But I don't think that that's the actual message of that story. I don't think that that is what God is testing to see if if Abraham loves God more than he loves Isaac. Rather, this is, goes back to the story that we read, the story about the promise. And the promise that was given was that a son would be born and that a great nation would come from that son. At this point, Isaac is just a young boy, and that has not happened. And so what God is really asking Abraham is, do you believe the promise? When I said that I would give you a son and a great nation would come, do you believe that? And Abraham did believe that. And so uh, we don't know what he expected would happen. He probably did not expect a last-minute rescue by God providing a ram in the thicket. But he knew that something would happen, that God would fulfill his promise and that a great nation would come. And so he demonstrated that his faith was real. When God said that this would happen, he really believed it would happen. And what we see is his faith is not just theoretical or hypothetical, but rather it is practical, it is relevant, it is real life. So that brings us to our faith. What is our faith like? Well, we're told in the New Testament that we are saved by faith and not by works. And that is absolutely correct. We can never earn our way to God. We cannot make him love us more by doing more things. We cannot uh, uh, get a ticket to heaven by doing enough religious stuff. It doesn't work that way. It's only through faith in Jesus Christ. But we're also told that God uses our works, and that faith without works is dead. And that means we are to demonstrate our faith in some way. There needs to be some kind of evidence that there is real faith. Now, Abram, he demonstrated his faith by willing to go and to take his son up that mountain. How do we demonstrate our faith? How do we move our faith from just talking about the what-ifs to the whens? How does that look like? Well, I don't want to lift myself up as a hero of the faith or anything like that. But uh, a number of years ago, uh, I actually, I guess it would be um, six years ago, uh, right around this time, um, Amanda and I left our previous church. And we did not have another church to go to, nor did we have another full-time job to go to. 
we just felt strongly that we were to make this move because uh, our daughter was in a group home. We wanted to be close to her. Uh, I was working farther away, and it was burning me out, and we wanted to be present for family. We felt that family was, was suffering because of the situation, and we really believed that God had led us to, to make this move and to just trust in him that he would provide. Now, I'd love to tell you that that first month, we were just flooded with money, and everything was perfect, and we just, uh, you know, we ate out every night, and it was just just paradise because God provided uh, blessings beyond measure. That's not what happened. Uh, the, the first two months were probably the worst months uh, of that whole experience, uh, where expected uh, funding that we thought would get us through, all of a sudden, through strange uh, mistakes, and paperwork just wasn't there, and it was really, really hard. And yet, we can look back now and see that our experience in that actually prepared us for the ministry that we have here at Queen Street. And so I I share this to say that it is hard, it really is hard, to move, move faith from being theoretical to being real. But it is worth it, and it is important. And this is, in, we can think of all kinds of, of different examples of how it can move from that. So I want to give you another example. I want you to imagine that, uh, that our world was different. And in this world, that death was only a remote possibility. That uh, you would never get too old, you would never die of old age, there would never be uh, diseases or anything like that. We would never have to worry about that. The, the only time you could possibly die if there was some kind of bizarre accident that would take place, that's the only way that you could die. Imagine that if that's the way life was, how would we look at the message of the afterlife that is found in the scriptures? How seriously would we take it? Because we might never ever experience it because we don't know that we're ever going to die. And yet the real world that we live in is a world in which we will die. Every single one of us in this room at some point is going to die. Many of us will have uh, some time on, on a deathbed where we are reflecting upon our impending death. And then we have to wrestle with the idea of is there an afterlife? Is there really going to be a resurrection? Is heaven real? We need to be thinking about these things because we are all going to face it. At some point, that's going to move from theoretical to real. But this can go for any area of our life. We say that we believe it's important to care for the poor. How do we actually put that into real life? How do we move it from theoretical to being real? Uh, We believe in the importance of prayer. But how do we make that real? How much time do we actually spend in prayer? Abraham demonstrated his faith. He believed the promise that God said that he would give him a child, and that child would be the the father of a great nation. And Abraham demonstrated by that, by going to the mountain and willing to sacrifice his son. We don't have to demonstrate it in that way, but we do have to demonstrate our faith. We won't be tested the same way that Abraham was, but we will be tested. Our faith will be tested. What is that going to look like? How much do we really believe the things that we say? Let us pray. 
God, we thank you for the example of Abraham and how he had real faith. May we have that same kind of faith, that we would hold on to your promises, not just by ticking off boxes beside uh, theological doctrines, but really living out what we're taught in the scriptures. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.